do we have a guest? No, we don't have a guest. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a phone call. Uh, give me a second. Oh, Hello? Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Obama. I can't talk right now. I'm on. I'm recording a podcast. No, yeah. Yeah, layer by layer. All right. Thanks, Obama. Sorry. Sorry about the interruption. There's, there's, I couldn't think of any special guests to like have on the show today. There was no one convenient. No one convenient? Yeah, no one. No. We, we would spurn even Obama from this show. What are you talking? Oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> it's too late now. Uh, I guess so. Right. He's, he's a busy man with a busy schedule. Yeah. You know, not <laughs> his, in that post-president life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, welcome to the show. Welcome. There this are is no how guests. We, we, there are no guests. There have never been guests, and there might be someday. No guarantees. Oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna give the so much hope to the people, Andrew. You well, can't be given this much hope. People, you know, it's funny because so many people I talk to about layer by layer, are like, why don't you have guests? Are they real? Is that is that a real thing? Are you making that's this that's a control no, that's a real thing. <laughs> Well, we don't have guests because there aren't any guests good enough for our show. Whoa. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> Time out here. I think there's plenty of guests that would be good for this show, but... Mm. Uh, Debatable. Mm. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> we The chemistry is pretty good on this show, but um, I think the point that Andrew's trying to make here is that we have good chemistry. That's right. There's a real connection here. You can call us uh, Marie Curie. Was she a chemist or a physicist? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. To the, people, to, to the people that have asked me this and to people who have maybe thought this and not asked me this, um, you know, there's a lot of... I mean, there's, there's actually not a lot of cubing podcasts out there, but there are cubing podcasts that do guess. Um, right, and yeah. And that is not our podcast. But... For now. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You know, we want to do an advice podcast one day, so who knows what will happen. By the way, you guys are bad at sending advice. Questions. Advice questions. Yes, yes. We don't need advice. Yeah. Right. I forgot. Um, <laughs> we definitely do not need your advice do not send us your advice. We will we will want your advice questions. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, attempts, I'd say, <laughs> to send advice questions. Um, uh, hey, should we start the show? Speaking what's the of show? advice, um, welcome to Layer by Layer, the world's best advice podcast. Um, <laughs> Starting with uh, no, no episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, today is Tuesday, July the 23rd of the year 2019. Uh, it's been like a month since we last recorded. I'm going to try to get this episode out quickly. Um, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) It's you being tired from working hard. Yeah. Working real hard. Yeah. Future, Uh, future Andrew, you got this. It's okay. I I already did the panting for him, so he won't have to worry (laughs) about that part. Um, we've got a subreddit layer by layer. Dot com. I always want to say dot com. Uh, <laughs> we don't have that yet. Something. Yet. Um, layer by layer. Subreddit. Check it out. You can talk to our episodes directly to them. Directly uh, to the F- <laughs> we are we are creating sentient beings. Yeah, we're we're parents. Um, Weird. 
we have 21 kids do we get like do we get a tlc show for this or probably um i'll i'll contact the network okay sounds good do you want to get right into the show now (laughs) 21 and counting (laughs) so we have a lot to talk about because you have been at worlds i have been at home not doing any cubing at all or paying much attention to cubing but that was recently, and we've had a long time since we last recorded. That's and right. Since and since then, I actually I did go to a competition like right after we recorded our last show, so I have some follow up from that competition. Uh oh. Um, okay. All right. This is the this is the well, probably the part of the podcast here that Andrew's going to talk about cubing. Yeah, like I figured I should get my part in here. All right, Andrew, while I can. Here's here's your piece. Say your piece. So I think I figured out why I don't really like four blind and five blind, while I do like multi blind interesting um okay uh hold on let me remember (laughs) like i said i put this in the notes a month ago uh hmm now they all suck whatever uh okay wait 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 okay so let me think we were talking i was at a competition we had four blind i considered trying it and then i was like no i'm not gonna do that and then i offhandedly made some comment to someone else at the competition i was like i don't really like it because of this and then i was like wait that's why i don't like it and i was trying to figure that out uh oh god what did i say um <laughs> who'd you say it to do we want to invite him on as I, a guest right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i said it to alex maybe i said it to graham ah uh, um you know what we'll, we'll come back to that <laughs> Well, congratulations. We've just listened to Andrew's only segment of the podcast today. Yeah. A round of Woo. applause for Andrew. <laughs> uh. Uh, God, I had it such a... I came up with... I was like, that's the reason. This is such... I could put this so eloquently. Uh, exactly what makes them different from multi-blind. What is it? Um, just that you need 100% success for four and five blind? You don't for oh, multi? Oh, kind of. <laughs> That's kind like of. the that's like the lowest key thing you could have um so <laughs> uh, uh, damn so. it I was gonna test that this episode I had a thing to test it you distracted me <laughs> uh, okay okay so I don't even know what I said anymore the reason is with three blind not three blind with multi blind. I feel like I get rewarded for, like, the amount of the solve I do well, right? Because, like, you don't have to get a complete success to still get points. Sure. So I feel like it's more rewarding because it's, like, you can put in this, like, huge amount of effort into doing the solve. And most of the time, you get a success out of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's pretty good. It is, it's the whole, yeah, 100% completion thing for 4-blind and 5-blind that, uh... It's like, you you can't, I don't, it's just, it feels like you make one tiny mistake and instead of it making a tiny impact on your result, it completely invalidates your result. Whereas one tiny mistake in multi-blind makes a tiny difference to your, to your overall solve. See, the funny thing is I've never felt satisfied after a non and out of an attempt in multi. Really? <laughs> never. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... 
I, w- I was thinking about this too when you brought the when you were talking about this, and uh, I think it's just naturally because um, I've just had a lot of N out of N PBs. In fact, all of my PBs have been N out of N. How about your PRs? <sighs> yeah, my PRs have all been N out of N. Um, so, uh, like, for example, the... I mean, like, not that I'm, like, really pissed after not getting an N out of N. Like, I definitely felt like, hey, I performed okay mm-hmm. after getting, you know, some other success or whatever. Um, but I went from 2 out of 2 to 6 out of 6 fairly quickly. Um and then I got a 9 out of 9, and I still haven't beaten it, despite having several attempts of, like, 11 and 12 cubes since. I'm kind of uh, in a similar boat, except I didn't get there by N out of Ns. I, got, I did, like, uh, I think 2 out of 2, then 5 out of 6, then 8 out of 8, and mm-hmm. I've been stuck there. Gotcha. Um, but I, I don't feel that bad when I, as long as I don't, like, DNF the whole thing, and I get a yeah. few points, I, I never feel that bad. I feel like... I feel like it's the the mistake that you make is dis- disproportionate to the um, penalty in four and five blind, which I mean is fine if you're like I can also understand the perspective of like wanting to be a perfectionist and like not make mistakes and having yeah. that be rewarded. But for me, that just isn't that's just not what I prefer. Um, and I feel like yeah. in multi, it, it like it fits my expectations much more. Like if I feel like I made a little mistake in the solve, mm-hmm. it'll then I feel like justifiably like, oh yeah, that's uh it's fair that there's a small penalty on my time or not on my time, but on my result because right. I made that mistake. And it's like, even if you feel yourself making a mistake, you can just be like, okay, I'm going to set that cube. Maybe I'll come back to it later. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not. But with four blind and five blind, it's like, if you're making a mistake, it's, it just ruins everything and kind of, I don't know. It puts me in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, so my most recent 11 cube attempt, I did this at Northwest champs. Um, I've been doing 12 for a long time, but I went with 11 because uh, my past two 12-cube attempts were DNFs. Okay. Not because of time, but my accuracy is just so bad. Yeah. Um, Which I think... So it's kind of funny because um, you would think someone with bad... Like, accuracy as mine, like, as bad as mine in multi, where I've had, you know, under 50% the past two times and, like... 10 out of 12, 9 out of 12, 7 out of 11, 8 out of 12 is some of my last uh, big attempts. Mm-hmm. Like, you would think I'd be trash at accuracy in 4 and 5 blind. But I feel I'm way better at <laughs> being accurate <laughs> on 4 and 5 blind. Uh, and I think, I think I, just for me, um, I find multi to be overly tedious on my memory. And this is kind of funny to say, you know, probably to anyone who's any good at this event. Um, But um, at least for me, getting into like the 12 and up range feels really tedious on my memory. And I feel like I have to be so clear and so nitpicky on what I put in my images. Uh, Because, you know, there's just so many images that I think, like, might be interpreted as maybe two different letter pairs, depending on how I use it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I I feel like I don't have that problem. Like, (laughs) I've done a lot of 11 cubes attempts. I haven't done Mm -hmm. 12 yet, but I feel like I could easily, because I usually finish the 11 cube attempts at, like, 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, So I could do more, I just don't. I don't want to try it until I've gotten something good with, like, 11. Yeah. Um, this might be a sign that I need to work on some of my letter pairs. 
Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, for me, it's like the memo accuracy is usually mm-hmm. the problem. Like I memo the wrong thing, and that's why I make mistakes. Or I execute a com wrong. Like I'll do an inverse of a com because yeah. I use a Rosco. That's been my problem. I don't really forget my memo or forget what letters they're for. I don't think, at least. Yeah, um, so I, I, def, I definitely have a few instances where it's like I memoed the wrong letter initially. It's usually I memoed it right, and then I misinterpreted my image. Huh. That, um, that almost never happens to me. I can usually, yeah. like, when I make an image, it's very easy for me to think back and be like, what was this image mm-hmm. for? And then I get it. Well, and so recently I've been getting a little better with accuracy. Like I did some practice attempts and Northwest Champs, I got 10 out of 11. The only reason I missed one is because I did parody twice on a cube. Mm-hmm. That really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, 11 out of 11 would have been real nice. But I think I, I, uh, I had an attempt where all of my cubes or like four of my cubes were solved into the same wrong position. Mm-hmm. because something I was doing with parody. Like, it wasn't a parody case, but it was something mm-hmm. related that was, mm-hmm. like, somehow when I the way I thought about executing parody put all of these cubes in the same wrong position. That was pretty painful. Yeah, that was, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny for me, and I've... Um, that I just feel like um, my accuracy with multi is bad just because of how much i have to translate it's very easy for things to get lost in translation when i have to put so much stuff into into my memory Mm -hmm. and it gets confused more easily or at least for me four blind and five blind are quick enough that i can have more like bad images like i still use rooms for most of four and five blind but the images that i make are really really sketchy compared to uh, my multi-rooms because I can kind of remember heuristically, like, oh, yeah, that one's weird, but just remember that's, like, it, like for example, sometimes when I'm going really fast and, like, works well, sometimes I use HA for some sort of laughter, like, ha, 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 but mm-hmm. I sometimes also use LF. Oh, okay. And you um, just remember which one it is. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, like, not, yeah, like yes, like, um, that might be confusing, but, like, I, I make a mental note of, like, that might be confusing, but I don't have to deal with this again. Like, this is probably the only case where this is going to come up, so just remember that. Yeah. And go. Uh, I can't do that in multi. <laughs> okay. That, that um, makes sense. I, I yeah. do the same thing, but I usually can make a mental note of something and be like, this is weird, mm-hmm. and then think back to it and be like, oh, I remember that was weird. Uh, yeah. I guess just different ways our memory works. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, because I have no problem with dealing with those confusion points in 4 and 5 blind, because the solve is quick enough that I don't forget them. Uh, but mm-hmm. if I do that too many times in multi, I have such a laundry list of exceptions that <laughs> I can't keep them all straight. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's funny because I think for me, like, the amount of cubes I tend to miss when I do large enough attempts that have a chance of breaking my PR, um, that uh, I will force myself to go fast enough that I don't remember things well, and then I get ridiculously bad or bad enough accuracy to feel sad about the attempt. <laughs> so, or maybe, or at least just, like, not great about it. Like, it's like, that was a good performance, but it didn't get the result I want. Mm-hmm. Um, which, honestly, though, like, you know, if you miss anything in four blind or five blind, it's like, I feel the same way, you know? That was a great attempt, but I just didn't get the result I wanted. Um, 
And honestly, I, I triple DNF'd four blind uh, before Worlds at three straight comps uh, because uh, I wanted to go for a PR single. And I was rushing my memo mm -hmm. real hard. <laughs> um, and I accepted that. And like the thing is, all of the DNF times were good and were, they were only off by a couple of pieces in most cases. And I know I wasn't happy about the results, but I just felt like, you know, that, those were good attempts. I did what I okay. came here to do yeah so well um i kind of have the same feeling in both events even if you don't get dnf'd for it in multi um well do you think that's enough talk about something other than worlds we should probably move on to the the <laughs> bigger the bigger subject of the episode yeah, maybe so <laughs> um it was an interesting subject though i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah if you want to cut stuff out there feel free um <laughs> <laughs> but one of the two of us went to Worlds here, uh, right? Which was me. Uh, was? I thought it was me. Surprise! My oh, sorry, uh, I'm getting a call. <laughs> yeah, Obama. Hey, I'm still recording. Sorry, can't talk right now. Yeah, no, still. Yeah, dinner tomorrow is still good. You don't have to keep calling to check. I know it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell him. Okay, bye. Uh, he wanted to to congratulate you on some predictions uh or one prediction at least oh boy yeah <laughs> um so here's the great thing about bad prediction of the day and i you know i i saw this coming when i uh said this or started this at the last episode that you can make fun of me no matter what happens it's great because i made two predictions one of which was of course didn't come true which, you know, as right. expected, it's the bad yeah. prediction one, of the day. One of, one of your bad predictions came very not true. Very, very true, actually. <laughs> Wait. Um, well, one of them, well one okay, of them, one of them came very not true. The other came very true. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. We were... <laughs> See, this is the thing. It's confusing. You can make fun of me you know, however you want, and it... Right. Yeah. And we will. <laughs> right. <laughs> I swear, this podcast is just made to make fun of me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, Stanley Chapel uh, did get a four, five blind mean and four blind mean world records. Uh, one of them he got literally uh, before we posted the last episode. Yeah, so, so your your prediction was out of date before it was up. Yes, literally the 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 prediction was already bad before it even made it to the public. Yeah, so um, just just to clarify, oh, we should probably keep score right. Um, <laughs> so that that prediction was stanley or rather anyone no one will get a five blind or four blind mean before the end of the year are you yep. crazy yep. um i am that crazy. was the prediction yeah that was wrong so yes wrong so wrong that it was wrong on the release of the episode yeah. um the second prediction i made which was kind of a bonus one because i knew i wasn't gonna be able to make it uh before worlds was happening um was that neither max nor felix will win worlds honestly i thought that was worse than the first prediction <laughs> i thought that was way worse than the first prediction like i thought you know just because like four blind and five blind like dnfs happen you know it's hard to get means even for world-class people that like you know it's possible that stanley do doesn't get three successes in one comp for a long time yeah you know that I, that one seemed like yeah bad but believable that one the the felix and max not winning worlds to me i thought was utterly ridiculous i mean yeah because like <laughs> they are they are leagues ahead of anyone else right now mm -hmm. in three by three 
most of the time. Right. And then here's the thing, though, is that um, when I was at Warm Up Sydney, which was the um, competition the week before Worlds in Sydney, uh, where Worlds was in Melbourne, um, Timon was on fire that weekend. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. In the He won the first round, um, and he got like a four single in that round. And uh, yeah everyone was like whoa where did this kid come from and where he came from apparently is a teacher strike in poland and a lot of free time for timon oh nice uh, <laughs> yeah so um as soon as that happened i was talking i was with tim reynolds a lot during this trip and i remember talking to tim and saying you know hey you know i said this bad prediction in my podcast but it's starting to not maybe look awful like <laughs> Um, Timon just crushed this ra- this particular round. And granted, sure, there's no um, you know, world's pressure in this round. You know, you're mm-hmm. just you're solving for PRs, and that's about it. Uh, but man, like, <laughs> he, there's definitely a shot for people to beat these two. And I kind of said, like, I think there's about like a twenty percent chance this could happen. Um. Before, I don't even think... I think it was under 5%. And I was like, I think this is plausible now. Not likely, but plausible. And it happened. And not only did it happen, but... Yeah. They they didn't even make the podium. Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah, it, the first through sixth place was separated by 0.11. So, I mean, to say that they, um, you know, spectacularly choked, I think, is a very poor way to characterize it. Um, right, they did fine. <laughs> right, like, you know, when in under a high-pressure round, you know, getting a sub-7 average at the top levels of 3x3 three three is impressive. Yeah. Just so happened that their sub-7 average was not sub-enough. <laughs> so, not sub-enough. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, one for two on bad predictions of the day now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is probably the highest success rate that this will ever have. Uh, I don't know. Don't sell yourself (laughs) short. You're pretty bad at making predictions. (laughs) But am I bad at making predictions or am I bad at making bad predictions? That's that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) That's the question. So um, we're not going to get to my bad prediction of the day yet. We'll do that at the end of the show. But... um, so far, it's looking good and or bad for this uh, segment. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, let's get to the rest of follow-up. Yeah, so records that happened since our last uh, recording. Um, probably the craziest one uh, is Andrew Wong's skewed record of 0.93. Yeah, him and which, everyone else. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, several other national records that were broken on the same scramble. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard about this by now, but if not, uh, the scramble was a U-perm. Just a U-perm. Yes. No setups, U-perm. Uh, which, you know, isn't, you know, the best scramble you could ever ask for on skew, but everybody knows how to finger trick it. Like, you practice that finger trick so much yeah, if you so- do skew. Even if you're really slow at skew, but as long as you, like, practice the event at all, 
Yeah. You have literally solved that case many times before. <laughs> right. Like, uh, we basically brought this back to the days of Rubik's Magic, which, you know, I always call the Rubik's Magic a T-perm contest. <laughs> um, and we now created a U-perm contest. Nice. So, um, <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, we were talking about how at the competition that Skube was broken forever. No one's beating this. And it almost got beaten last weekend, one week yeah, after. it was... I don't even, I don't remember what that scramble was. It was a little bit more of a normal scramble, like a couple moves to hedge or something. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a seven mover. So it was one move shorter than a U perm, which is eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was, it was a faster time, but it was DNF because of some pieces being out of place. It like popped. Yeah, it was stuff. super close, super yeah. close. Um, I saw the picture. Because, to yeah. me, like just from the picture, it, I thought it was pr- going to be good, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it was yeah. really hard to say. Yeah, it's the, so the tough thing is. Um, that there are there is a regulation that says that um pieces need to be fully placed uh yeah. and one th- one question i had when skew even became an event i realized like you know we never had an issue because most of our regulations about pops allow for you know pieces of one um color to come out which mm-hmm. um for every other puzzle but skew if a piece with one color comes out it does not compromise the integrity of the puzzle Right, but but on skew, it <laughs> breaks your whole cu- right, cu- your whole cub. Yeah, <laughs> the whole the whole scub. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole basically, and it's an interesting discussion. Like I had in the beginning of 2014, like I showed two pictures, one of which that had a skew where everything was perfectly placed, just a center cap was missing, and I was like, I don't think any of us would disagree that this is solved mm-hmm. based on the regulations. And then all I did, because um, the, four of the corner pieces are screwed into the core, but four of the other corner pieces just float. Yeah. I just pushed one of them slightly out of place. Hmm. And I was like, is this solved now? And I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> 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 like, uh, because it, sure, you can allow for one corner or one one center to pop on a skew, but basically... If that happens, you basically have to spend the time like rearranging the puzzle so that things are perfectly in place if you if it's to count. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By a strict reading of that regulation, and I think that um, that was the correct decision to make. I think that um, you know th- th- we shouldn't have some subjective uh, scale for determining when things are and when things aren't fully placed. It's just like a um, binary, like has to be perfect. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really tough. Um, because, I mean, obviously, <laughs> accepting things that are... Saying that everything needs to be perfect means uh, everything's a DNF. That's, that's true, in, in, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, in, truth, in truthfulness, because you can argue, like, well, this is one atom off of where it should be <laughs> to be fully placed. Like, um, so there has to be some line. Like, the line, whether we say it's, you know, needs to be perfect or not, you know, and say, no, we're not drawing a line. You're drawing a line. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. Yeah, and it's 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 a really tricky regulation to deal with. Fun story, I had to deal with this regulation in an event you wouldn't expect to have to deal with it. Uh, I'm going to guess. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you're not guessing. This is no <laughs> guessing game. Um, so, when I competed in clock first round... Um, I had a case where one of the dials popped out of its place, because um, the 
in the centers and edges of a clock, there's a spring that pushes those dials out to the edges. Dials? What do you mean? I guess mean the exactly? clock, the clock faces. I, I, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, I guess dials could be interpreted as like the four corners that you can physically turn. But yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. So I'm saying like the physical clock faces on the inside, not the ones that you can physically turn. Okay, so it was like under the sheet of plastic, something popped out. No, so like the clock, because there's like a little plastic little nub that it rotates around, mm-hmm. and when I dropped it, um, the force caused the clock little clock piece to push the spring down and it popped back but not on side that or not on the plastic nub so it was like retracted into the clock oh okay i think i can picture that yeah it looked like you had a sunken clock face kind of right and if you know anything about the regulations the regulations are very poor about dealing with clock yeah um in general (laughs) yes and there's a lot of just so I say that it's nice to, you know, interpret fully placed uh, as really fully placed. Um, However, there have been several competitions of precedent over many years that say that, um, because, I mean, like a physical puzzle you can turn and and move on the outside. It's a lot easier to, like, fix puzzle defects like that. This is (laughs) something that happens purely internally inside the puzzle. Yes, there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah, it's and like by the time it happens, I've already stopped the timer because I'm dropping the puzzle at that point, and it happens mm-hmm. when you drop the puzzle. Um, so I think you know back when the WCA was less strict, uh, this case was decided, you know, more on fairness. And given that the competitor really had nothing they could do to prevent that, and um, that the regulations for clock are severely underdefined, underdefined in the in every case the precedent has said that we should rule them solved if the clock appears to be clearly pointing to 12 okay that i mean that makes sense right it's it seems to make sense but again it's by the letter of the regulations it's not fully placed although you could argue that like what does placed mean does that mean like <laughs> humanly placed this like, is no one did any placing right <laughs> this is what i'm saying like you know we have to, no matter you know you say that you we, we want to not have to have a fuzzy line but no matter what there's a fuzzy line so initially they ruled my solve a dnf mm-hmm. um and i i disagreed with it because of all the precedent for this so i you know it might have helped that I was a delegate in this situation because I looked up <laughs> a lot of delegate reports and shared them with the organization team to be like, yo, no, count it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I took pictures of everything beforehand, too, so there'd be clear evidence to go off of. Yeah. Um, and they did reverse it. And it was actually a pretty big reversal because um, I went from 21st in the first round to 13th in the first round. Okay. Which was the difference between making and not making finals. Hmm, I see. Yeah. So, um, it's an interesting discussion now because now we have to figure out, should that count? Should it not? Like, on one hand, it's really fuzzy to have to say, you know, if it appears to mostly be pointing to 12, like, that's not a great criteria. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, it's not really the competitor's fault that the puzzle does this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be against having an exception for clock yeah, to that but... specific regulation because, like you said, you're not even touching those pieces, so what can yeah, you do? Yeah. 
Right. I mean, literally the fix to it is smack the clock on the table. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of been like the rule too. Like if you're unsure um, if it is or isn't solved, take a picture beforehand and then and smack it. <laughs> give it give it the table smack test. Um, and that's what had been done for years too, is just like if that happens, smack it and see where it lands. Nice. Which, you know, obviously that could depend on how it's smacked. So... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's pretty hard to influence based on how you smack the clock, but um, I don't know. Just quit your chuckling. This is a family show. I, I was. I just think it's a funny thing to do. Not even yeah. like in a weird. Like in a. It's just funny. Anyways, um, had enough about fully placed pieces. There's other things that happened. As we mentioned, four blind and five blind uh, world records uh, from Stanley Chapel. We talked about the means already. Um, the five blind mean he got at a comp before Worlds in Australia, um, where the four blind mean, four blind, and five blind singles all happened at Worlds. Yep. Which, we did, like, everything at Worlds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and here's, like, the insane part is, like, how can you pull off world records under world championship nerves? That is yeah. <laughs> mind-numbing to me. In, like, in, like, the most intense event. <laughs> yeah. Just, I that that's super impressive to me. Um, what's even more impressive, too, is that the five-blind single that he got at Worlds was on his third with two DNFs. Oh, yeah. that's I wanted to bring that up. Um, yeah. Because that was... When I looked at that scorecard, I was like, oh, geez, not only did he get a success on the last solve in a super high-pressure situation, but he got a world record. <laughs> like, yes. That solve in particular was super impressive to me. Yeah, I'm... I Obviously, I, I didn't watch it because, you know, it's kind of hard to watch Big Blind at a world championships. But yeah. uh, super impressive stuff uh, just to be able to clutch that out. Uh, Kaijin Lin actually got did the same thing to get third place in the event too. Uh, clutched out a third place time after two DNFs. Hmm, nice. Um, but in four blind, to say that Stanley is killing the competition is an understatement. Um, <laughs> so the second place time that uh, for four blind at Worlds was nearly double. Stanley's first place time. Wow. Stanley got a 108, and second place was a 212. That's a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it helps that Kaijin DNF'd. Yeah. Um, that, so, I mean, like, he if he got a success, he probably would have been somewhere in between the two, but rest assured, or rest aside, like, that is insanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, here's another fun tidbit. If you had... Um, remove like had stanley like ignore his his four blind results that he actually got and if you made him compete with a five by five <laughs> instead in four blind he would have got third place that's pretty similar to i think uh max on seven by seven mm -hmm. would have gotten something really good in six by six yes like yeah, at I think least Ma made six by six final i'm pretty sure it was actually podium that if max um or maybe not. maybe I'm talking through my butt. Um, I think final. No, you're right. I think it's that Max's seven by seven world records in the finals. I'm gonna confirm this because we talked about this at Worlds too. His average was a one fifty ten, or one fifty point one zero. Yeah, that definitely wouldn't have podiumed. Okay, I think you're right that it was finals. 
it would have still made finals if he had had his 7x7 seven seven world record times in the first round of 6x6. Six six. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Max and Stanley are definitely uh, lapping the field in big cube events whether sighted or blind yeah <laughs> uh i guess it is it is kind of interesting that like the bigger cube events are the ones where that can happen because there's enough room there yeah yeah maybe just how long the event is I, yeah allows. i think there's just enough small optimizations you can do that they add up whereas mm-hmm. like the smaller events haven't been or there isn't as much room for those small optimizations that yeah it, you would need a really big optimization in order to make that kind of jump which mm-hmm. just doesn't happen yeah and to be fair, I think that 4x4 is probably the, of the, it's 4x4 really a big cube, but of the big cubes, there's definitely more competition in 4x4. Sebastian's yeah. a lot closer to Max in that event than anyone else is in any other event. But um, mm-hmm. still, just, <laughs> uh, you know, it, we had some very close finals in a lot of events in Worlds, but the big cubes were not those events. Yeah. <laughs> no. So speaking of world records, we've already talked about this now, but uh, Max did get a double world record uh, single and average in the, in the seven by seven finals, which yep. um, like to think that Stanley's was impressive is one thing. I guess he had the advantage of being, you know, in the side room, though, where they do blind, like not a, there's not a giant crowd watching him. You know, you have a blindfold on. So, I mean, like you don't have any visual cues to remind you of where you are, really. <laughs> I guess it's it's like when you like put a um a blanket over like a bird's head and they think it's night and they go to sleep. Yeah, is that what, is that what you're I'm saying? Not, not trying to imply that Stanley has a bird brain, but um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that um I think it's even more like that it, when you consider nerves that that Max's world records are you know even more impressive on the how did you get that at Worlds scale of impressiveness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know just doing it in front of a you know a pretty big crowd watching the finals on friday um and just clutching out a ridiculous world record <laughs> in both single and average is just mind-numbing um especially when you consider that um i don't know like um you know short events can be really bad for nerves because one mistake and you're done um mm-hmm. but you know with long events you're also up there a long time and yeah, so there's more time to make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it can go both ways, I think. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's it's like also it's hard to control your nerves in a very small period of time for just, you know, because you have a very low tolerance for even small mistakes. Whereas in 7x7, seven seven, you definitely have tolerance for small mistakes, but they can compound and you're up there for so long that when a big mistake happens, you know, you can just be out of it. Mm-hmm. So um and that that's what happened to felix in the finals uh to some extent um granted you know pop pops just happen to i mean there's somewhat human cause somewhat uh a bit of bad luck um but felix only getting one podium at a world championships what is this yeah, world we live that is in? really weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't three by three nope no it was not three by three Although, granted, um, if you told me he only got one podium at Worlds, I probably would have guessed five by five too. Really? Yeah, I think. I mean, he yeah he has been dominant five by yeah. five for basically his entire career. Yeah, I think I think he's slightly more ahead of the pack at five than he is in three by three. Um, mm-hmm. But it's close for sure. Um, yeah. Granted, of course, Ma- like 
I, I think that it's like if you consider what event does he have a better chance of winning, I would say three by three. Mm-hmm. But if it was what event does he have a better chance of podiuming in, I would say five by five. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because because Max, Max is cl- clearly ahead of Felix in five by five, but Felix has been clearly ahead of a lot of other people. Yeah, um, which is up for debate. Sure, like obviously he got third, so someone else beat him too. Um, but <laughs> um, in three by three. He has the world record still, but there's so many people that are pushing him there. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of five by five, um, mm-hmm. since our last recording, Max got the five by five world record single. Um, not oh, at yeah. Worlds. Um, right. That was before that Worlds. Happened. Well, before Worlds. That was at the comp I was at, actually. Oh, nice. Um, very oh, you cool can to say see something. That. I can. Yeah, I can say something. I, I had to jump in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to say was, uh, mm, I forgot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was actually his first world record of the year in June. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was surprising to me. I, I expect Max to just be getting world records, like, constantly, but apparently not this year. It, it, it is interesting. That would have been another really good bad prediction of the day last time, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Max will not get a world record this yeah. year or something. <laughs> <laughs> Darn, that's already out. I gotta come up with a new one now. Um that would have been stupid. Yeah, I, that I think that um, record too was a bit of a coming out party for the uh, Volk Five M. I've tried one of those at Worlds, and that cube is beautiful. <laughs> it's just amazing. I don't know. It's it, cube hardware's changes are so incremental these days. It seems that definitely felt like a a pretty big leap over the um, what I think most people were using beforehand, which was whatever the MoU big five by five is whatever their main one is i never mm-hmm. remember the names of these things yeah me um, yeah <laughs> but um definitely a leap over the the chi five by five that existed beforehand so yeah. nice um so that probably had something to do with it but uh the time was blowing the old record out of the water too so i think even on old hardware it would have still been a world record yeah i agree wow all right we finally caught up on world records and that stuff, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you have a world, and we get to, well, sort of do it all over again with Nats. Not quite the star power at Nats in a few weeks as there uh, was last year because this is a world's year. But Yeah, um, world's always takes away from it a little bit. Yeah, uh, but Max Park will still be there. So Right. <laughs> Stanley Chapel, I think, will be there. Yep, that too. Um and so basically everyone we've mentioned today anyway. <laughs> should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. So as far as other things that happened at Worlds, you wanted to mention something about three blind files finals? Was this yes. inspired by Worlds or is this just a separate thing you were thinking about? Very much inspired by Worlds. Um so um and I've been th- yeah, this is something I've been thinking a lot about since the three blind finals. Um so fun fact, there were 11 people that got a success in the three blind finals on scramble three. Okay. All 11 of them had that as their best time. Is what you're getting at that having one really good scramble can easily swing like the whole results of a blind final or like a very blind round so. in general. Very much so. Um, that, and just when you look at, at the results for um, three blind, it was so, so close at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I think it was 18, was it 43 that won? 1844, I was close. Um, probably butchering this, uh, but I, I, 
maybe not butchering, but there's probably Argentine pronunciations that I'm not familiar with, but uh, Manuel Gutmann um, mm-hmm. uh, got an 1844 to win. Uh, Gianfranco got an 1853, and it was on a different scramble. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So scramble one was pretty good, too, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, it was apparently like one was above average, two was crap, and three was even more above average. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gianfranco did get a good time on scramble one, which got him second. Stanley got third with an 18-7. Then after that was 1916, 1938, 1948. Um, and I remember that was uh, Sebastiano Tronto, and he was like fist pumping like crazy when he got the 1948. And mm-hmm. I didn't talk to him afterwards, but... Um, you know, he did get a national record because of the 1948, which might have been why he was really excited about it. It might have been his first sub-20. I'm not sure. That would be something to be excited about for sure, too. Uh, but I, when I saw that at first, my reaction was like, this guy thinks he won. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and to be fair, or like maybe he thinks he podiumed or something. Um, and to be fair, like, you know, getting a sub-20 in a high-pressure three-blind round, you might think, sure, that might podium. Who knows? But he got sixth. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, you do three attempts. Basically, one of them matters the most if you have, especially when you have scrambles that are highly differentiated in difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Even in this set, they weren't, like, one and three were relatively good, or or relatively close in goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, And scramble three, in the end, made a huge impact on who won and who lost. Yeah, so basically... Like, even though there was three solves, it all came down to just one of them. Mm-hmm. And... Not all, but it, a lot of it came down to one of them. Um, yeah. Enough so that it's a little uncomfortable to me that this is the format we're using to determine a world champion. I posted something in a blind fa- uh, blind-solving Facebook group. Um, I saw that. Yeah, basically proposing that we really need to shake up the format here. And the format that I proposed was mean of best three of five, Mm -hmm. Um, which basically allows for two DNFs, just like there are now, but of course it's over five solves and not three. Um, And it won't just count one time. Uh, It may count the best three, but, you know, people are surely going to DNF, you know, some of the best scrambles frequently. Yeah, so they're Um, more likely to... Like, it's more likely to not just come down to the same three. Right. Um, some people have said, why don't you do, like, median of three? And I'm my response to that would be, we're still only looking at one scramble. Yeah, then you're, <laughs> so, just, you're just looking at the most middling scramble, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's like, if you have a good and okay and a bad scramble, you know, it's the same problem. It's just, um, you know, because it's some people think of this as similar to, like, you know, we need to eliminate luck from world records. And this isn't world records this is just competition rankings mm-hmm. within one competition um and it then it doesn't like scramble difficulty me to me then doesn't matter because everyone is getting the same scrambles mm-hmm. everybody's is getting lucky up to you know having a solved buffer or something yeah so it's still the same problem if you do median of three because um well first off you're requiring two successes out of three so now one dnf and you're kind of in safety mode yeah already um 66 also a little higher than 60 percent, but it doesn't really fix the problem either you're just making people be more accurate for still the problem of counting one solve only potentially mm-hmm. so um 
not a huge fan of that proposal. Um, and since I made that post, I'm actually now in a Facebook chat with um, a bunch of top blinders about that are discussing about what we want to what would be our ideal format for this. And there's three main proposals um, that have been put forth now. Um, my original proposal, I'm not a huge fan of anymore. Um, m the main thing I didn't, I don't like anymore is the only use this for big competitions. Um, oh, so like you wouldn't use it. It wasn't that, a suggestion just as like a new round format. It was a specifically a big, big comp for suggestion. Well, it was it was still like a we like make this an official round, but like only use it in championship style events. Oh, okay. But I don't think that's a great idea. Like, I don't like the idea of completely shifting the target mm -hmm. in a bigger stage. Yeah. Like, if people are doing one format and they have to do something completely different for the finals, it's kind of weird. Like, it's kind of like, you know, playing a soccer game and then determining the winner with, like, you know, a, a kicking contest with a goalie <laughs> in the way. Oh, wait, they do that. Hmm. Um, at, least, at least they don't just like do a coin flip anymore <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> that's true um <laughs> anyways so I, i'm definitely more on board with trying to make this just a more generalizable format like people can still do best of three like there's nothing wrong with it just like people can still do best of one in fmc even though mean of three is recognized mm -hmm. uh just it's an option you can still do it that way but the main proposals are to do basically all more than three solves but the big kicker is that um, one of the things that we that we've kind of group think together is the idea of having two different types of averages: an average that's used to rank people in competitions, and an average that's used for records. Ooh, explain. Okay, so I'm going to talk about mean of best three of five first because that's the mean one that I mean of best three of five. What use? What, so what we were just talking about? Yeah, take the three best solves and average them. Uh, and DNFs, of course, count as the worst. In a competition, you know, if you get three successes, great. You get an average. And I'll <laughs> you can't hear me, but I did air quotes on that average. This is not going to count, though, for average world records. Okay. The format for uh, world records would would just be average of five. Okay. So... You have to get four successes. Right. Um, and... The nice thing about that is, you know, within a competition, it doesn't matter if a lucky solve counts mm -hmm. because everyone got that lucky solve. But right. we don't want records to be luck dependent based on, you know, basically filtering three of the best scrambles from a set of five, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's not really great for record collection because now you have very, very luck dependent records mm -hmm. where at least average of five will eliminate the best scramble from being considered usually unless somehow you know you do really well on a lesser scramble but yeah then good job um <laughs> yeah so doing an average of five makes the records less luck dependent but now yeah you have like basically three different types of results you have a single result a competition average and a, a ranking average so what happens if you get a competition average but not a ranking average how is that uh, like recorded uh so it would show as a, so my idea, and this, you know, is just my idea, is that it would show up if you, like, looked at the competition page on the WCA website and looked at the average column, you would see the competition average. But okay. if you go to their personal profile, you see the ranking average. 
So if they don't have a ranking average, just nothing shows up there? Or it just says DNF. Okay. So if they get three out of five solves, they'll get a, an average for the competition, um, but they will not get an average that's ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is pretty. This this is a pretty unprecedented way of doing events within the WCA. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think blind is really at a point where you know you have so many world class people that are nearly all at the exact same level, doing very similar things, have very similar TPS, similar memo, that, you know, it's kind of coming down to luck as to who ends up on top. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's Scrant, like the, you just happen to do well on the right scramble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, maybe you did really well on bad scrambles, but we don't care about that. So that's the one of the proposals that's been put forth. But one of the problems with mean best three out of five is that currently you need a 33 success rate or 33% success rate within a competition to be ranked, essentially. Mm-hmm. At least ranked, you know, <laughs> not among the DNFers, I mean. Yeah, although... Um, Oh, so you mean within the competition. Ranked in general right now, you need 100% success. Sorry, yes. Yeah, it was a confusing word. Yeah, I'm saying to, to advance to a future round, you would need to get one out of three solves, bare minimum. Mm-hmm. In this format, to advance to the next round, unless a lot of people DNF, you need three out of five, or 60%. Which is a pretty significant increase. Yeah. Yeah, it's a significant increase. One factor that kind of helps and makes it seem a little better is 33% is over three solves and 60% is over five. Um, So larger sample size, you know, helps you, you know, overcome errors a little bit better, but it's still harder to get three out of five than one out of three. Let's Mm -hmm. be real. (laughs) Uh, Way, way easier to get one out of three. Yeah, because I mean, in this case, like say you got one out of the first three, then you have to get the next two as successes. So this yeah, is just like yeah. take that earlier thing and make it just strictly harder. <laughs> right, right. Um, I just wanted to point it out because it's not fair to compare 33% and 60% because they're based on different yeah. sample sizes. Yeah. Um, the gap's a little closer than those two percentages make it seem. Um, so there's two other formats that they're thinking about in this group as to what would be ideal. Um, and the other one is just simply exact same, but do best two out of five for competitions. And then the third proposed idea, which would be really weird, is best two out of four and use mean of four for records and rankings. Mean of four? Yeah. Like, don't drop best and worst, just count four. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So two out of five and two out of four are not significant changes. Like, um, I honestly think two out of five might be a little bit easier than one out of three, even if it's 40% versus 33%. Yeah, I think I think that would make sense. Yeah, just I mean, just because you're you basically have three DNFs of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Like you can get up to three DNFs before you have to say I need to go safe now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and out of five, you know, getting a couple successes out of five, you know, it might be a maybe it's a little bit harder than one out of three, but um, it definitely it would be not a change to the fundamental way to approach the event. Yeah. Um, I I think I like the first suggestion more just because going with four solves and then requiring a mean of four for rankings doesn't seem like a big improvement to me over the current system for like rankings. Like I feel like mean of three and mean of four, there's not much of a difference. 
I agree. I think, though, that one of the things that the blinders, like the top-level blinders have been chatting with have been saying is that, to them, they think that a 50% success rate is somewhat ideal. Hmm. Like, they like the idea of a 50% success rate and think that um, they just... It, it's kind of just feelings, you know? There's no, like, scientific, you know, conclusions they're making based on this, but um, a lot of them are actually behind the um, best two out of four, Mm-hmm. idea because they like the idea of a 50 percent success rate and feel like it's um fair where 60 percent is maybe a little too high and 40 percent is maybe a little too lenient okay i can see that i don't know i don't know it's uh yeah because like two out of five you know when you get five chances at scrambles like you might you'll probably get a pretty lucky one and you know, might also get two lucky ones fairly frequently where that, you know, for example, like two that are really better than the other three. And then it's almost the same problem again, but at least, you know, you have two solves of data to work off rather than one. And, you know, taking away a fifth one, so you only have four attempts and when, when you count two, uh, just, you know, you have less fishing for good scrambles going on just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I... I'd be happy with any of the three formats. I'm not a world-class three-blind solver, so um, I don't have a lot of uh, input on this, at least mm-hmm. as to what would be ideal given you know, people who are at that level. I think I agree that I like either, whether it's two out of five or three out of five, I think I prefer one of those just because we could use average of five for records. I like that. I like the yeah. idea of using average of five for records. That That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, (laughs) it's, I, I think that, uh, this might turn into moving mountains within the WCA though. Yeah. Um, it is something completely new. Mm -hmm. Like when's the last time we had a new format ever? Like, I feel like the formats we have have basically been around forever. Well, I mean, mean of three for four and five line is a new format. Yeah. But like. Oh, you're it's saying not like, like a new format in in the abstract, like Mean of Three right. existed before. Right, right. Okay, like, I see what you're saying. So at the same time, though, we've been adding new formats. Like FMC had was just best of for a long time, and now is you know not only records are Mean of Three, but it's ranked by Mean of Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a pretty seismic change when it happened in 2014. Um. And you know we don't rank by means in blind, but they exist for records. Which yeah, I just I still I don't know how like open people will be to the idea of like a completely new way of doing things. Like people are so set on like using best of three, Mm -hmm. mean of three, and average of five as like the the accepted ways you can rank people. Right, and one of the biggest problems too is currently. Um, the database only has one column for averages to oh, no. store. <laughs> yeah, so um, there would have to be some rewriting of the database and how the website uses that database. Hopefully we don't accidentally leave the entire database. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> the, the idea, too, of just, you know, redoing, um, like how I'd imagine it would have to be is there would be, like, a display average and a rank average column, basically, mm-hmm. in the database, and... But you'd have to now rewrite, like, all of the competition, What like, when a competition page is generated, you have to, you know, every time average is mentioned, make it say display average. And then when it goes to personal profiles, make it say rank average. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the rankings and records need to pull from the rank average column. So mm-hmm. um, it's like trivial in some sense, but highly tedious to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there could be some kind of solution where it's like you add a new column, give it a new name, but like don't change the name of the old column and stuff and like can kind of skirt around the problem that way. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, you would still have to base. You still have to like rewrite a lot of places where like any competition page is generated for how three blind results are pulled. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably cleaner database wise to just create two new types of things, mm-hmm. and and have it pull from the appropriate thing when appropriate. Because um, you know who knows it, it, it's probably cleaner too because who knows like if they're will come a time that this sort of split idea will need to be applied to other events. Mm-hmm. And then if that happens, then, oh God, you have a, a mess to clean up. Because <laughs> um, you'd have to like fix how three blind works and then do the new event if it does that kind of format. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What were your thoughts on this idea? Uh, I just wanted to hear what you said about it. I think that in general, like we do need a change right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't even mind if we just, like, went to straight average of five. Um, oh, for... it's, like, we just rank average of five? Yeah. 80% just... success rate required? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a completely different event at that point, it, yeah, I think. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't mind it. But I, I know that's probably never going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think in general we need a change from the way it is right now because getting lucky singles and just, like, waiting for a good scramble isn't the best way to rank people. Um, or decide the results of competitions and yeah Yeah. not because of lucky scrambles though just because of differentiated scrambles yeah just because it's supposed to be a competition about all three scrambles not just one it should be all all however many scrambles yeah it's we're we're basically trying to determine you know if you were asked the question like which star is the brightest versus which flashlight is the brightest oh okay (laughs) you know like you know like stars are so far away it's kind of like they all look really the same to me (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just there's there's very little information that we are using to make a decision on the winners Mm -hmm. whereas other events that use average of five for their rankings have a maybe not a lot but (laughs) relatively a lot more information to base the decision off of yeah like who's better looking and Right, you can't tell when they have the blindfolds on. That's right. That's that's what I'm getting out of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I mean, all blinders are stars, great big shining stars. (laughs) But some of them are just flashlights. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's that's exactly what I wanted you to get out of this, Andrew. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, the audience was a little more intelligent than you. So let's talk about worlds more. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about um, sort of the what like an ideal large competition venue is because um, what an ideal large competition venue historically has like shifted a lot. Um, and my percep- I'm gonna caveat this with my perception of this is gonna be purely based on worlds and U.S. Nats that I'm aware of. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know a lot about venues in Euros except, like, really recently. To international listeners, I apologize for not talking about your continental competitions. Anyways, <laughs> um, so the very first Worlds, at least I'm not talking about 1982. That shouldn't even be in the database. Um, <laughs> the uh, 2003 Worlds was in an auditorium. 
you know, like the first, the, the noughts decade of the WCA, that was pretty common for large competition venues to be in auditoriums. They were big. They, you know, I think that initially it was, you know, we were trying to, you know, make, you know, this a spectacle, like something fun to watch, you know? Um, yeah. That was kind of, the, you know, before there was a community, you know, if you're trying to start a competition, you're like, well, we should make this interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the early trend in big competition venues, with the exception of Worlds 05, which was at Disneyland. So Wait, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like mostly outside. At least the finals were. And people were like standing like it was like a concert (laughs) venue. Um, There's a really old documentary that was made in Canada called Cubers. Um, Not the best made documentary ever, ever, but it's really it's it shows a good glimpse into like really old cubing. I highly recommend looking it up and finding it. It's on YouTube somewhere. Um, Hmm. You'll 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 be in the right place if you see it with uh, CBC logos everywhere for Canadian broadcasting. Yeah. So. um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, give it a watch if you haven't, because um, it it uh, it the whole thing is leading up to Worlds two thousand five. Cool. Um, okay, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the venues in like oh seven to eleven, but from what I've remember, many of them were auditoriums. But uh, if people want to correct me, let me know. Um, I know that oh um, nine and 10 U.S. nationals were held in auditoriums too. But then kind of a big shift was to use just, you know, big venues, just big rooms in convention centers. Um, Nats 2011 did this at the uh, Ohio State, um, I think, Union, which they just had a gigantic room. They just had a big room for, um, you know, competitors to compete in. You know, maybe wasn't the best for audience viewing, Um but it was very good for the community to interact, not necessarily to watch what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Worlds 2013 did this. Um, Worlds 2015 was a bit of a mix. They had a lot of different small rooms going on. Um, but what's interesting is that with Worlds 17 and now 19, there's this mm-hmm. shift back to auditoriums. Really? Yeah. Worlds 17 was a big auditorium. Well, it was a sort of auditorium. Like, it was a half auditorium and then just big room behind it mm-hmm. which i think that was cool um worlds 2019 was all over the place uh, there was one big room with auditorium seats for watching there mm-hmm. was another room that was the competitor room which was like the space for people to compete uh two problems with it it was really small and it smelled awful really why yeah um have you ever been to a competition oh okay just like normal competition (laughs) (laughs) it it was a little amplified because of how many people were trying to cram into that room Mm -hmm. and uh how relatively small and short the ceilings were (laughs) uh compared to like you know what you'd expect from a big competition uh i went in there once and i was like yeah i'm not coming back here (laughs) i just would warm up in the auditorium in the Mm -hmm. seats yeah it's interesting that there's this seems to be this shift back and i'm not sure why because personally i prefer the big open room setup um but i know it is difficult for say like trying to watch finals of events because it's very i think it's nice to have a good viewing area for finals and stuff well here's the problem with australia this year is that 
um, the auditorium we were in, the first, like, ten rows or so were completely flat. Hmm. There was no elevation in those rows. So, um, basically, if you wanted to get high up enough to, like, see over the tables, you were way too far back to even read the displays. Okay. At least in Paris, it was all elevated immediately, so the ideal seats were kind of, like, a few rows back, I think. Mm-hmm. Um... Whereas uh, here, I couldn't tell you what the ideal seat was. <laughs> like you were, it was trade offs everywhere you go. Like yeah. uh, if you went like four rows up where they started to be elevated, you can kind of see over things and maybe make out times on the displays, but still iffy. Or you could get close and be able to read all the display times, but not see the cubes very well. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Not my favorite venue. I kind of wish, because it looked like all of the seats that were at flat, um, they didn't have any... Um, like, they, they could have removed those seats, and it could have been used as a flat space. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of wish that they had just put some stanchions down or something and yeah. used that as competition area space somehow. That would have, to me, made it better, especially considering that uh, most of the... Like, the auditorium was enormous, and we did not necessarily need all of those seats. There was an upper deck that nobody used. So barely anyone used. So I don't know. What, what, what's, what's the ideal big competition venue to you, though? Well, I, just listening to you talk about it, I haven't actually been in a competition with like an auditorium yet hmm. um, for a big comp. Every big competition I've been to has been like just a big open room kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's definitely the best for most of the competition. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, ideally, I think you would have that for most of the competition and then a separate like large auditorium for finals. But yeah, I think that would that, be cool. That seems like it would be difficult because then you'd have to have like a whole nother set of timers and stuff ready to go or else move all your timers and stuff. Which isn't a big deal um, because like at US Nats, for example, when we're winding down on Sunday, like say doing like all like the semifinal or round middle rounds before the finals, mm-hmm. we're not using every timer because That's there's true. just n- not yeah. enough competitors to fill everything at once. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, during those rounds, it's very possible that we could just up and move tables that are on the unused stages and move them to an auditorium room. Yeah. Um, the other the other problem would be, like, then you have to reserve this entire other room that you only use for a very short time. True. Although we could, we could you know, as soon as, if we, like, divide it so it's, like, morning is semifinals and then after lunch is finals, which I think is actually how Nats is this year. Mm-hmm. Just kill the room. Like, say, like, all right. It's lunchtime. Everybody needs to leave. Mm, okay. And then you can, you don't have, I don't know. It depends on the pricing structure because usually you pay per day and not per hour. But if it's like an hourly structure and you could save something from that by switching rooms. Yeah. Um, obviously, you probably have to pay more for like labor and setup of another room. But um, you might be at least able to save something by not paying for the room anymore because everyone's done after the morning. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so in, in general, I think that would be my suggestion for, like, the best-case scenario so that you can have all of the community interaction for most of the competition, but then when everyone wants to watch something, it's yeah. the best viewing possibility. Yeah. I don't know if they can easily, like, roll in bleachers or something, or if they, like, have bleachers that you can set up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would work, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just forget chair, rows of chairs. Just, like, have a giant bleacher stand. What if everyone uh, just did, like, a human pyramid? That seems reasonable. <laughs> could do that at nats this year (laughs) i def i think that paris worked well just because it had the open space behind 
the giant rows of audience chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of liked that. I think I did kind of like that, but it's it, it's such a unique venue layout. Like, good luck finding that in general. Yeah. <laughs> like, where there's just, like, open, like, uh, pre-function space that's gigantic for fitting, you know, a hundred round tables in. <laughs> and then behind it, like, it was literally like you walk in and you just saw the butt of an auditorium. Like, just <laughs> giant metal jungle of chairs. Huh. And then on the other side, it was the auditorium. <laughs> so like it's it was a super unique venue. I think it was actually one of the better venues you could have had for a Cuban competition. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. The problem is with when you have stage areas and you try to use them, and this was a problem at Worlds this year too. Um, stages are often way too cramped for a Cuban competition. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you just, um, and I th- when things are running behind, I think that that is what contributed to to that issue the most. Um, mm. Especially considering they had to use less space than they anticipated because they couldn't turn on the lights in the back row. Like what? <laughs> yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't turn them on because they didn't know how, or they weren't working or what? I don't know. <laughs> I was just told that the venue said they weren't able to get them on. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, they had to, they had to then like lose 20% of the stage area and push everything forward. Yeah. Which wow. made it super cramped. Okay. Um, yeah it's annoying and even and even the back row like if you were in the back row for some events the lighting was still bad not like awful but it was definitely noticeably worse than being one row forward uh i also think it's just kind of hard too i mean they i think they did a good job of putting world-class people on the front areas when possible Mm -hmm. um but it's kind of a bummer to have to you know potentially have a world record happen like in the back of the stage yeah (laughs) you know when you have a big room set up you know every station is front and center somewhere Mm -hmm. so that's true um, yeah um so i mean it's that kind of setup is much better for watching like first rounds Mm -hmm. than it is for finals at least i i guess like the ideal setup would be like a really wide stage but that's not realistic yeah i mean i i kind of like the idea of like mini bleachers in front of state like li- like stages in a typical setup that we've been using for u.s yeah. nationals i think that would work yeah that would be ideal but it might be it might just be cost prohibitive to you know have that like where are you gonna find giant sets of bleachers <laughs> yeah i, I mean know. i guess it could be like you know how there are some like gyms that have like school gyms that'll have like bleachers that fold out of the walls kinda? oh yeah, yeah, yeah if you could find something like that on a big enough scale that would be cool that's true yeah like just what like rent out like an nba court or something yeah <laughs> and like have them retract the floor and then like all of a sudden you bring it out for the finals or something yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe all right so it's about that time we've talked about worlds we've talked about uh me not remembering anything i wrote in the notes uh it's time for the end of the show segment starting with the martin Eggdal of the day oh, so that's my favorite one martin Eggdal. have you heard of him i met him actually oh really yeah that's nice mm-hmm. um yeah he knows about this segment now <laughs> That's too bad. Um, so, <laughs> did you know that at Worlds, um, in the first round of three blind, he set the European record for the mean of three of uh, three blind uh-huh. with a twenty-one point five two, and then, 
and I, and I, I you're not going to believe this. He said it again in the final with a 19.94 and actually would have won if it was counted by mean of three, right? Oh. Did, am I, did I get that right? That's right. the best yeah. mean of three? Yeah, it was the best mean of three. So you're right. I th- so, maybe that we should just be switching to that format. Yeah, that would give me a much better fact for the Martin Eggdoll of the day. <laughs> World champion in three blind. Yeah. Uh, you use all the solves, right? That that makes sense to me. Does that mean it's bad prediction of the day time? Heck yeah. Okay. By the end of the year, the world record in multiple blindfolded uh-huh. will be sixty nine out of 69 Ooh, bold very fresh bold. fresh delicious i Hot. like it um <laughs> <laughs> all right um, i believe i believe in you graham or okay, maybe so by calling it a, specifically uh it doesn't have to be but it, it probably will be that's that's fair <laughs> enough yeah <laughs> i mean i i have faith in other multi-blinders too but he's the one who's who has the best chance i say um yeah. i don't know if by making this prediction if that means i have faith in graham or i don't have faith in graham <laughs> but um do what you will it's the duality of the bad prediction segment yeah <laughs> I have a feeling, though, we're not going to know whether this one's true for a while, though. Yep. But, so. hey, it'll be real interesting when we find out. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, before this is even uploaded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's only two attempts at Nationals, so... Two more than he needs. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I mean, that is true. You only need one, one more, attempt. One more than he needs. <laughs> oh, well, okay. That is true. You do need an attempt to break world records. <laughs> Uh, but you, it is true. You only need one to break the multi-world record because it's only single. That's right. So, cool. Alrighty, we'll see how that one turns out. All right. Uh, means I'll stay at fifty percent for quite a while. <laughs> at least until next episode when you make another bad prediction. Right. You know, like yeah, maybe, they can overlap. Maybe. Like we can have your yeah. second second episode predictions be going like for a while, and then your third episode predictions can get resolved and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I won't make that's like maybe I won't make like a by the end of year prediction or something like that. Yeah, um, I would try to make like a U.S. Nats bad prediction, but um, I don't know. It's Max not podiuming. Oh, that's it's, that's it's an option. That, that that is an option, but that's so bad that like <laughs> I'm not even gonna say that. Um, mm, all right. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to screw it. Like I, I feel. I feel like like that my juju is partially responsible for the world's <laughs> three three by three final here we go here we go all right bad prediction for nats i'm gonna get clock podium you are that's right i'm gonna screw myself over <laughs> all right <laughs> or cool or help myself i don't know uh <laughs> well we'll see how that goes uh thanks for listening everyone <laughs> i was on this prediction game in cubix's friends or like predict like probabilities i came <laughs> up as a 0.2 percent chance all right Ooh, all right it could happen it could happen actually <laughs> i would probably predict mags to not make three by three podium over me making clock podium <laughs> but, um, anyways all right uh thanks for listening everyone or don't or or don't what (laughs) how does that work or don't thanks for listening (laughs) or don't you know
Don't thank anybody. That's rude. Rude. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what? That, maybe that's the question I should be asking. What event do I want to cause major <laughs> harm to?